It seems that humans have lost their touch and connection with the great outdoors. These viewers seemingly tried to reconnect with the outdoors, but ended up connecting with something a bit more horrifying. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you are new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit it on reddit via r slash thedarkswamp. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. International Waters by SDS19 I would like to share a brief but creepy story about a time I was sailing in international waters. I wished to keep where I was private as it was not entirely legal to be there at the time. I was sailing and enjoying my day in the fresh sea breeze. I was around 24 years old when this happened. I'm 30 years old now. While sailing, I was enjoying a few shots of whiskey which I know is incredibly irresponsible. I should note I can hold my alcohol rather well. I didn't do more than three shots before a sudden impact from below the boat knocked the glass out of my hand. The effect was enough to jolt the ship, making me look around to see if I had hit anything nearby. As I scanned around and below me, I saw nothing. A few minutes go by and I slowly start to ease back into a relaxed state. Although I can't quite explain what was happening, I'm confident the time to worry has passed. I settle back down, clean up my broken shot glass, and pull another out to drink the fourth shot. As I am about to drink, I hear a loud and profoundly unsettling moan from below. Moan is the best way I can describe it, as it was pretty loud. No sooner do I try to gather my senses and drop my whiskey, sad waste, do I feel a thud from the bottom of the boat that is hard enough to lift us off the water for just a moment. I fall to the bottom of the ship, scramble up and look around again. At first, I don't see anything. A few seconds later, though, I see the outline of a massive creature underneath the boat. It looks like it's swimming underneath the boat, and although I don't know what the hell it is, it's big enough to leave a shadow farther than I can see while looking down. This monster speeds up, and as it does, I can feel the boat being pulled with it a bit. I can feel the boat spin, and I try to keep it straight as the creature pulls ahead. It wasn't long before I see these big, black, almost spike-like scales somewhat surface from the water. I'm in absolute shock, pull out some binoculars, and I look at the rankings, which have sharp, almost quill or spike-like designs before they go back under the water again. I sat there completely unsettled on the water for a moment, before I could finally return to my senses, get my boat turned around, and head back for land. I'm not sure what the heck I saw, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a whale or anything like that that we've discovered so far. It's something far different. It looked... it looked like a dinosaur. A Safari I Won't Ever Forget by Anonymous My story isn't necessarily the most terrifying, but it's downright strange and has me scratching my head to this day. I went on a safari with my wife when we were 35, and it was an extraordinary experience. The first day came and went quickly. We enjoyed a lovely tour and we got to see everything from lions to hippos. 
It was indeed an eye-opening experience being out in the wilderness and another country so far away from home. The hospitality was simply the kindest, and I'm grateful for every moment of this trip. Well, on the first night of the trip, I slept hard. It was then I had a dream. In the dream, I had a child with my wife. At this point, my wife and I had been trying for years and could never have a child. I woke the next day somewhat happy from the dream, but also saddened at the thought we didn't have children. Coming out of the camp, I explained to my wife my goal. One of the guides heard my story and, with a smile, said before the end of this trip, you and she will be with child. I laughed and figured the guy was just trying to make us feel better. I was also a tad embarrassed, he interjected, with such a notion as it seemed that it meant he expected we would make love while camping one night. Trying to change the subject, I smiled and we continued on the safari. On night two, my wife talked to me about trying. I laughed and said, with all these people camping out here with us? She gave me a mischievous smile, the kind she always gave me in the past when she was up to something, and said it would be exciting. I told her that when we got home from the safari, we could make love as much as we wanted, but not with everyone so close in other tents. My wife seemed disappointed, but reluctantly we went to sleep. The third day of the safari was terrific. The whole trip had been pretty great. The previous night I had a dream. I was making love to my wife. I could hear a child's cries in a hospital, and then I woke up. The morning I woke up, I was greeted with a smile as the same tour guide as before shook his head approvingly and said tonight. I wasn't sure what to think and spent the rest of the day enjoying the safari until nightfall. Then my wife came to me heavily and kept goading me. I eventually decided to stop worrying and we had a great night. One thing led to another and finally we crashed, smiling the whole way. That night I had a bizarre dream. It had the other guide in it, but he was wearing some sort of native garb and smiling at me. He told me that I'd have a boy and hugged me. Upon waking, my wife shared her dream and relayed it verbatim. This was incredibly strange, but as soon as we came out of our tent and prepared to head back, I noticed the man was nowhere to be found. I asked one of our tour guides where the guide went, and the man looked at me perplexed momentarily and then asked me what he looked like. I gave him a description and he simply smiled and said that he wasn't a tour guide. He is what Americans might call a spirit of some kind. He often comes to those who will soon be expecting. A few weeks after our trip, having not attempted relations after the fact, my wife took a pregnancy test and found out she was indeed pregnant. We eventually had a baby boy who is now five years old. We are grateful every single day for the good luck, fortune, and whatever happened with that spirit, I don't know how to explain it, but friends, that was the oddest and most crucial vacation I have ever and will ever take. Why You Should Avoid Being a Park Ranger by Anonymous. I don't know how many of you believe in demons or the supernatural, but I was a skeptic for most of my life, including my time as a park ranger. That is until the summer of 2013, when I had the oddest experience I have ever had in my lifetime, even today. For this story, you can call me Hank. I work as a state park ranger in Alabama. I've been doing this job for 14 years and have seen every manner of wildlife you could imagine. The things I'm going to describe are strange. I know how crazy they'll sound, but I assure you this is exactly what I saw. Anyway, I started my shift like any other. I did some cleaning, made some repairs, and had a chat with some of the locals. Growing up, I had always loved nature, 
so it was natural that I got a job as a park ranger. If you love nature, it's one of the most important things you can do, and it's the most important job you can get. After lunch, I patrol the area and watch the wildlife. It was while walking that I heard something behind me. I turned around and I saw a dog. You're probably going to tell yourself right now, Oh, that's so sweet, a doggy. You're probably mentally petting the dog right now, right? Well, trust me, you wouldn't want to rub this thing. It looked like a Doberman, but its fur was all black. This dog sat on all fours and was my height. Keep in mind, I'm six foot two. I remember being weirded out by thinking, Okay, someone lost their dog. The thing is, though, I couldn't see anyone nearby. The vibes this dog gave off were absolutely creepy. It wasn't just its unnatural height, but an almost dead sort of feeling that hung around. Like, I would compare it to dread and the fear of death put together. It was just emanating from this thing. I slowly approached the dog anyways, in hopes that I could find its owner or help it out. Despite my feelings about the dog, it's just an animal, and I'm an animal lover. As I approached the dog, it got up and left. The dog moved quickly and I could not keep up with it. I reported seeing this dog to a few of the other rangers and they said they'd keep an eye out. The remainder of my shift was pretty mundane. A few weeks pass and I see the dog again while I'm on another patrol. It's a bit far away, just sitting on all fours and staring. It wasn't staring at me per se, but more like it was overlooking the park itself. I was curious and radioed out that I'd spotted the dog again. The second I'd radioed this, the dog looked in my direction. I'm not talking it quickly turned its way and looked at me. I mean, it literally, with this most unusual calm, deliberate, and slow head turn, looked at me. It got up, ran, and then was gone. I told the other rangers where it was, tried to get the exact locations, but I don't know. I don't think they ever found it. We decided we'd go about our business and keep an eye out once again. The rest of the work week came and went, for the next two weeks, there was no sighting of the dog. Then, on a Tuesday morning in August, something very odd happened. I saw this dog again. It reappeared in a hurry. I quickly ran in the direction I saw the dog move and radioed to the other rangers I could see the dog again. It didn't take long for everyone to meet up, and just up the hill, the dog sat there. It's back to us, looking down at something. We rushed up the hill and looked over to see someone lying on their back motionless. We immediately called the paramedics and I ran around to start CPR. I tried with all my might to help this person, but I believe they were just too far gone. The paramedics arrived to find a lifeless body and many of us looking sullen and distraught. I remember trying to hold back tears and repeating that I tried over and over. I'm sure I was a bit of a mess, but as I was brought over to be checked out by paramedics, I remember someone trying to question me. It all tuned out in my head. You know how in the movies, during scenes of trauma, how sometimes people will be talking and it's like mute to the character. That's the best way I can describe that moment. I could see the paramedic's lips moving, but no sound was coming out. I was thinking about way too many things at that moment. Many of them jumbled as I was in shock, but I came to rather quickly when I saw something even more shocking. Up on the hill, the dog stood there. Next to the dog was a woman in a black dress. My first thought of this dog was that maybe that was the owner, and he did have, you know, a family after all. That's when I saw something I couldn't even begin to believe. Despite seeing it with my own eyes, I still don't believe it. The body we found was a woman. A woman is currently being taken away to the morgue. It was a young jogger who looked like she could be in her early 30s with blonde hair and a long ponytail. I never forget her blue eyes as they stared at me from the hill. She looked comfortable, relaxed even. I remember staring and pointing at the mountain, 
but no words would come out of my mouth. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't get a word out. The paramedics looked into the distance, but didn't seem to see anything. I, however, saw the dog, the woman in black, and the jogger. I also watched them turn and walk away until I could see them no longer. I tried running up the hill. I looked high and low until I was eventually rounded up again by the police and paramedics, and I found no sign of anyone. I tried to explain what I saw, when I could finally speak again and make sense. I was probably told it was probably a side effect of my shock, and it probably didn't actually see anything. I'm pretty sure what I saw was real, and I'm unsure of how to explain it. It was quickly the strangest series of events I've ever experienced. I still work with the park rangers and I love my job. I haven't seen the dog or the woman since, and I have no idea what more to say. My Days Working in Forest Agriculture by T.D. I worked in forest maintenance and forest ag for quite some time. Some friends of mine owned a big plot of land in the Rocky Mountains. A group of us, all guys between 18 and 38 years of age, would gather together several times a year, go into the mountains for several days, and clear shrub brush, make fire breaks, and when appropriate, cut Christmas trees. This particular time it was early spring, and our crew of nine on three Gator four-wheel drive vehicles were about 9,200 feet in elevation up on this mountain. There was a significant amount of snow on the ground. We had put in a long day's work and we were headed to camp until the old guy of the crew asked if we wanted to lead to some place called the Slow. This was a near treeless slope free of large rocks about 100 yards wide with tracks of giant trees on either side. We would tow a tube downhill in the snow using one of the gators. It was actually a lot of fun. We got to the slope, set up a fire pit, cracked open the whiskey, and started having a great time. We all took several turns being towed. Jeff was the new guy and the youngest at 18. We were giving him the craziest rides, swinging him close to the trees to freak him out. An initiation of sorts. It was about 1am, pitch black except for our dying fire and lightly snowing. Not the smartest or the safest thing I've ever done, but one of the most fun. Just as we were wrapping up one of the last rides and heading back to camp, Jeff freaked the hell out. He was stumbling over his words and couldn't express himself very clearly. But finally, he got the words out of him three-fourths of the way down. He had seen a man standing a few yards into the woods. He said he was wearing a trapper's hat, one of those with the flipped-up bill and the ear flaps like in Fargo, and a plaid Mackinac. We were all skeptical. We were all on a big plot of private property at elevation that was somewhat hostile but we took the rifles off the gators, got our flashlights out, and looked around. We didn't find anything, not even footprints. We chalked it up to the inexperienced, spooky environment, and of course the whiskey, and headed back to the camp about an eighth of a mile away. Jeff didn't sleep all night. He was convinced he actually saw someone. The following day, we drove the gators to the house on the property, got in our trucks, and headed to town, which was not very far for some nice breakfast. We had our breakfast and were heading back to the property to say our goodbyes and go our separate ways. As we neared the intersection of the public dirt road and the private dirt drive to the house, there were several police cars and ambulances. We stopped to talk to the police who informed us the closest neighbors had found a body in the ditch. As they were heading down the mountain, police had followed in reverse footprints up the hill to the slope and then came across the neighboring property to another perpendicular road. They asked if we saw anything and we told them about the Mackinac man. 
Sure enough, it was him. Self-inflicted gunshot probably just minutes after we encountered him. I still don't know what he wanted, if he was dangerous, or if we could have helped. Poor Jeff got his whiskey and meals paid for for the next several weeks. What did we encounter? By Anonymous. For a little backstory, Daniel was my childhood best friend from my neighborhood, and he lived in the building next to mine in the year of 1993, if I remember correctly. But we all called him Dan for short. This is his story, and he swears it's totally true. Since Dan was eight or nine years old, his mother, his stepfather, and he moved to a small neighborhood in a city in South America, which is located in a valley and is surrounded by a mountain and woods on all sides. The neighborhood was on the east side of the city on a dead-end street of a closed neighborhood, but there were a lot of green areas all around it, such as small hills with big and small trees, plants, flowers, grass, two parks, and a sports court. When Dan and his family moved to the neighborhood, he was very happy because when they were getting there in his mom's car, he could see lots of places where he could play in and explore. So as a kid, that was a very exciting thing. Even though the hills, woods, and plants that surrounded Dan's new neighborhood looked really nice during the day and while the sun was up, they looked very dark and creepy at night, and he thought they were really scary. He felt an ominous presence from those woods at night. At that age, Dan was afraid of many things, like the dark, the woods, wolves, black dogs, cats, spiders, sharks, you name it. Just like me, and this was because he was a total mama's boy. And at five years old, what do you expect? When Dan and I met for the first time, we were both playing in the park while our babysitters were watching us and talking to each other. We immediately bonded and became friends because we had a lot of things in common. We started talking about our favorite TV shows and movies such as Star Wars, Dragon Ball Z, the X-Men cartoons, and Ninja Turtles, among many others. So, we used to play by pretending we were superheroes or some sort of cartoon character while running around, using the merry-go-round, the slides, the swings, and funny enough, we both had plastic lightsabers. So we fought as if we were Jedis or Ninja Turtles, but we never stayed in the park once the sun went down either because our sisters did not let us, or we were just too scared, honestly. However, Dan was not my only friend in the neighborhood. I introduced him to my other friends who lived in my building and other buildings and houses. Their names were the following. Eliza, Diego, JP, Mike, Laura, and Gerard. All of us were around the same age, and we all became great friends as the months went by because almost every afternoon we played sports, played in the park, trick-or-treated, had water balloon fights, played Nintendo together, climbed the hills and woods behind our buildings during the day, and even did everything together. The neighborhood kids liked to joke around by saying that the woods behind the buildings were haunted. At that time, we played hide-and-seek or cops and robbers, so we ran around the street until 7 p.m., because that was our curfew and we had to do our boring homework after that. But Dan and I went to bed late at night in secret while we talked quietly on the phone. That night, it was like 9 or 10 p.m. I think, Dan asked me the following. Did you watch X-Men today? Yeah, dude, of course. I would not miss it for the world. 
Did you see the fight against Apocalypse and the Four Horsemen? Yeah, dude. That fight was awesome. I loved it. But talking about something else, have you heard some creepy noises behind your building at night? Nah, bro. I'm a deep sleeper, so I usually black out. Wow. I wish I was that lucky. You know, I usually can hear footsteps in those woods at night, and I also sleepwalk sometimes. Well, I think it's time for me to go to sleep. See you tomorrow. Take care, bro. Sure thing, man. Talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Dan hung up his favorite hamburger-shaped phone, sat down in bed, grabbed an old fantasy book about dragons that was on his nightstand, and started reading it until he began to close his eyes and doze off. He fell into a deep sleep, and was now dreaming, or so he thought. In his dream, Dan could hear the crickets in the forest, but was woken up by some strange steps walking around the forest and the leaves crunching beneath him, or as if some person or animal was walking in the woods. There are a lot of cats in the neighborhood, so he thought it was one of those cats potentially, maybe a possum or an owl. All of a sudden, he heard a low whisper that beckoned him and said, Daniel, it's Professor X. The X-Men need your help. Come to the woods and help us. This strange, but yet familiar voice was very similar to the professor's voice from his favorite cartoon, and it sounded like it was right outside of his window. Since he was a naive and innocent child, he decided to get out of bed, put on his jacket and boots, took his glasses, got out of his apartment, and went to the ground floor. Once he was on the ground floor, he walked to his building's parking lot. He felt a little cold, so he rubbed his shoulders with his hands. The voice kept calling out to him, Help the X-Men, Dan. Somehow, he felt extremely attracted to this voice, like metal to a magnet, because he could not get it out of his head. He took a small leap to get on top of a small hill. He then felt very scared, but kept walking into the dark and creepy woods. While he was walking, he heard other footsteps and leaves crunching beside his. He felt like these steps were approaching his position. At that moment, he stopped walking so he could hear the steps more clearly since he thought it was some crazy person or an animal that was insane enough to walk in the woods in the middle of the night. There are a lot of cats in this neighborhood, like I said, so Dan thought it was one of those cats. Maybe it was some other sort of animal, but then he heard a noise that sounded like a roar. He thought it sounded very similar to those dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. He had recently seen that movie in theaters, so it was the closest thing he could think of. Suddenly, he heard fast steps from somebody or something running in his direction. Dan broke out of his trance. He looked around, and his little kid's mind felt so terrified that he passed out and fortunately when he hit the ground, his body was positioned between a tall tree and a large boulder. So, he barely heard how this trickster creature ran next to him, circled his location, and then it smelled the air in order to get a scent, but he guessed it decided to leave. Dan assumed... He had passed out for several hours because he was woken up by the sound of a woodpecker, cicadas, and birds that were on a nearby tree. The heat and glare from the sun in his face woke him up. He rubbed his eyes, opened them, and looked all around him. He was in shock and horrified when he looked at his Spider-Man watch and saw that it was 6am. He had woken up in the middle of the forest. He thought he was going to wake up in his bed because he was dreaming, but he had sleepwalked into the forest in order to follow that beckoning voice. He saw his clothes were full of fallen leaves, so Dan quickly stood up, brushed the leaves from his arms and legs, and ran away from that creepy forest, which looked normal during the day. He climbed down the forest until he got into his parking lot. He ran to his building's door, opened it, 
ran to the elevator, and he saw himself in the mirror and could not believe that happened to him. Dan got to his apartment door, opened the door silently, tiptoed inside the apartment's hallway, and saw that thankfully his mother and father had not waken up yet. So, he went to bed and stood at the ceiling, trying to process what occurred last night. He completely believed his parents when they told him not to listen to strangers, especially if they are in the middle of a dark and creepy forest. So, Dan had many questions and thought to himself, how did this creature imitate Professor X's voice? How did it know he would listen to it? How did it know he loved the X-Men cartoon? Maybe he would never find out, or maybe he would. Who knows? Central Virginia Spookiness by Janie Bow. I grew up in a densely forested rural area in Central Virginia, and like most kids my age, 10 at the time of this story, I spent a lot of time playing in and around the woods. My best friend and I found a creek one day while exploring different deer trails through the woods. This creek we happened upon was a rare find, and the perfect spot for us to play. It was wide and deep enough to swim around in, and had nice, soft mossy banks on either side to rest on after we had tired ourselves out. The water was cool and clear, with no copperheads and no mosquitoes because the water was constantly running. We were psyched. After a few hours of swimming, we had to walk back home for lunch, but made plans to pack lunch the next day so we could have a picnic on the creek banks and spend the whole day there. The next morning, we set up for the woods at around 1pm, planning to have the picnic first and swim after. We entered at the same spot we had the previous day and followed what we thought was the same deer trail. It was not. At the point where we should have found the creek, we walked into a small clearing that was covered in a huge thick ferns. We had never walked past this before, so being both hungry and tired of walking, we both decided to eat in the clearing. We laughed and played around there for a little while, spitting watermelon seeds at each other from our lunch. It was an absolute blast and we were both in wonderful giddy moods. That all changed, however, as soon as we packed up and set out to find the creek. As we walked on, the woods started to feel darker and colder. We got skittish, and I noticed my friend kept whipping her head around to look behind us. After about an hour of walking, we came upon what looked like an entire overgrown bathroom. The sink, toilet, and bathtub all sitting arranged together and covered in ivy. It is common to find weird stuff like this in the middle of the woods, so we just walked on and made jokes to lighten the mood, calling it Bigfoot's bathroom. After another hour of walking and not seeing anything we recognized, we started to panic. Instead of trying to reach the creek, we were now just trying to find our way back home, or out of the woods at least. I told her we should follow the sun, and eventually we would come up upon a road or someone's property where we could find help. She insisted on trying to find another way, and we began yelling at each other out of fear, and let's be honest, little girl bossiness. I told her if she thought she was so right, she should just go on her way, and we would see who got out first, so we split up. Now, as an adult, I can fully acknowledge I was being a stubborn brat, and a bit of an idiot. The worst possible thing we could have done was split up. 
Not even 10 minutes after splitting up, I began to hear someone walking maybe 100 feet behind me. Thinking it was my friend, deciding to go my way after all, I slowed down so she could catch up to me. Instead, whatever it was matched my pace. I slow down, it slows down. I stop, it stops. This went on for what felt like hours. The whole time I was going back and forth on whether it was in my head or it was really something following me. I picked up a big stick, swung it a few times to make sure it was sturdy, just to make sure that if I had to hit somebody with it, it would last, and trucked on. As it began to get dark, I came upon something that made my heart sink into my stomach. It was Bigfoot's bathroom. I had just walked in a huge circle for hours, despite being 100% sure I was following the sun west the entire time. Confused and frustrated, I sat down on a log and just screamed my little heart out while smacking my sticks together repeatedly into the ground. As I tried to collect myself, I heard footsteps again, walking up on from behind me. I called out my friend's name, as loud as I could but got no answer. Then, after a short pause, the steps began to run towards me. I jumped up and booked it as fast as I could in the opposite direction. Now, this is truly the horrifying part which I typically omit while telling people this story. As I was sprinting through the darkening woods, I began to hear what I thought were church bells. I looked up to see the darkest, deepest cloud I have ever seen in my life. In the middle of it, it was so black, like it was looking into the night sky, and the dark gray around it seemed to be swirling. It gave me a horrible feeling to look at, almost like nausea. What sickened me further is that I realized the sound of the bells were coming through the hole in the cloud. They were definitely loud. I mean, really booming out of this thing. When I realized this, I stopped dead in my tracks. I felt a sense of absolute and overwhelming dread that has gone unmatched in all my 24 years on this planet. Something in my head began screaming that if I do not run away from whatever the hell that cloud was, no one would ever see me again, and I would be gone. I did not want to run toward the thing, chasing behind me either though, so I made a sharp right and took off away from both. It was now completely dark, and I was running blindly through the trees smacking through branches, wheezing and tripping every few feet for what seemed like another hour, until I smacked into something low and flew over it, hitting the ground so hard that the air in my lungs was knocked out of me. As I lay there trying to recover, I realized I could not hear the bells anymore. Then my eyes adjusted to the dark, and I realized what had just made me go ass over teeth. It was an old fence. Grabbing hold of it, I prayed that it would lead me to a farm, and sure enough, it did. I walked up over a hill about a mile to get to the farmhouse, explained what had happened, and the farmer graciously gave me a ride back home. I was covered head to toe in scrapes, oozing blood, and was more exhausted than I had ever been in my entire life, but I was finally safe. It was past 9pm when I finally walked through the front door. My friend had gotten back home shortly after we split and figured I had as well, so I hadn't told anybody I was lost, and my family just figured I was still out after dark, which wasn't very uncommon for me. They were shocked when I walked in beat up and crying. No one had been looking for me at all. To this day, I wonder how long they would have waited to come find me if I had not been lucky enough to find the fence, and if it would have been too late.
thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. Personally, I thought that safari one was very interesting. Not necessarily horrifying, but very strange and head-scratching. It's definitely interesting to see supernatural powers at work. Or, do you think it was just a coincidence? Anyways, if you enjoyed these stories, be sure to slap that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them damn near every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you made it all the way to the end, I'd really appreciate to know what story was your favorite tonight. Be sure to comment the code word, Abandoned Cabin. I'd love to see what funny comments you come up with. The best one will be pinned at the top. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. Don't forget to join me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good social medias, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.